The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL Reacts is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. We're going to start something new today on NFL Reacts that we're going to incorporate into the show over the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. It's coming up. I know everybody's getting excited about it. So today we are going to start breaking down by division kind of what the team needs are in the upcoming NFL draft fantasy impact players. They should take who who could wind up having an impact for those offenses on the field and and maybe uh, make us adjust our draft strategies a little bit as we get closer and closer to next season. So let me welcome in Kate Magic of DK nation justice is out today. So it's just me and Kate, Kate, I hope you're having a wonderful morning and I hope you're ready to break down the AFC and NFC East. Happy draft month guys. It is officially April 1st, April fools in, but I'm not April fools in cause it's the draft month. I'm, I'm just so excited. I love this time of year. It's the the time of uh, even more infinite possibilities. We're, we've got over the free agent buzz, which was so wild and crazy. And uh, like, uh, I don't know, rocked me like a hurricane. But I think I'm, I'm ready to get into this new mindset. We're going to be covering all these teams, breaking down. Uh, I, I think we've got an interesting way to present these teams. I'm really excited to get into all of this draft discussion because we've got a lot to talk about. Yes. And thankfully we can finally start talking about the draft because it's been a much quieter week across the NFL. Um, I I think we all needed this as we get ready to, to dive headfirst into NFL draft content. So Let's get into it. We're going to start off with the AFC East, and then we'll talk about the NFC East a little bit later on in the show. But we start with the Buffalo Bills, top team in the AFC East. Obviously, they made the huge move in adding Von Miller, which I I think makes them an even better team than they were last year, which seems crazy because, you know, we've talked a ton about that crazy divisional round game against the Chiefs where – I think if they wind up pulling that game off against the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe we're not talking about the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl if the Bills get there. And I think they legitimately are better today than they were during that playoff game. And, you know, they've, they've got some team needs, but it's such a stacked roster. You know, they need another corner and they'll get Tredavious White back, who had a season ending injury last year. They've got the first round pick at number 25 and we want to talk about their offense and kind of the fantasy implications because we know Stefan Diggs is a stud we know Dawson Knox had a breakout year last year we know Josh Allen is a a top three caliber fantasy quarterback but you posed this uh, question Kate I wanted to get into that to start is has Devin Singletary crushed the narrative that the Bills should take a running back early I'm curious how you came to that based on like what we saw from Devin Singletary late in the season and how 
he kind of changed their offense a little bit headed into the playoffs because I'm still not convinced that they think that he's their RB1 or that they can improve at that position. So I, this came back to me uh, in, in terms of like posing this question. When I'm looking at the roster, Stephen, you brought it up. Like this is a very well-balanced team. I think this is a better team. I mean, Von Miller, just uh, the presence of him alone um, I think just, you know, is going to allow you to get so much more pressure, even if it's not him generating the pressure, the the presence of him is enough to help out your entire defensive line. Um, I, I think this is a great team, but I think what we really saw last year was um, a little bit of uh, shakiness when it came to abandoning the run and purely relying on Josh Allen. But if you'll remember one year ago, the narrative was that they were going to take a running back in the first round. We saw Travis Etienne drafted to them over and over and over in all these mock drafts. And I think it's kind of interesting because there wasn't a ton that changed. The same personnel is there. Uh, the offensive line wasn't fantastic last year. Um, and yet I haven't heard any buzz about Devin Singletary uh, and get finding his replacement in the draft necessarily. Um, I mean, Devin Singletary, he did, he did some work last year, Steven, like absolutely just, oh God, I'm, I'm very, very happy with what we saw from him. Obviously I'm like the biggest Zach Moss fan, but when we're looking at what this team accomplished, it was Devin Singletary that absolutely won that job, had a, a, a fantastic breakout, 977 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. I think he was what the bills wanted him to be. Uh, they, they were a more productive offense when they uh, dedicated him to running the ball. And I think uh, the splits with and without him uh, taking charge and getting a significant workload, tell you everything you need to know. I I'm sticking with Devin Singletary from the bills. And uh, you know, maybe I, I work on the offensive line in the first round uh, address the guard position. If I, if I do that and I stick with the personnel I've already got, uh, add in Duke Johnson into the mix as a, a threat out of the backfield as a receiver, I think they're in good a, a good spot from the running back position. So you mentioned Duke Johnson, and that's where I'm a little worried uh, about Devin Singletary's fantasy upside because he was already kind of like that that fringe mid-round running back that you're just hoping kind of develops into their lead back. And we saw it happen last year late in the season when, you know, for a while it was Singletary, Moss, they were working in Matt Breida. And they haven't had like a, a consistent running game where we saw them even the Bills two years ago just through all the time, like just refused to even run the football. And Devin Singletary did kind of develop into that guy late in the season, but Duke Johnson is a guy who's been a just career receiving back. Right. And he's kind of that, like a, almost like a fantasy analyst, like darling almost because he's one of those weird players who it seems like he's never gotten like a long consistent shot at, at being a big contributor, but he's always been an efficient player. So with the way the Bills like to throw the football and bringing in Duke Johnson, I would have to assume that they view him as a guy like he can add a little bit more in the passing game than even Devin Singletary did late in the season. So that makes me a little bit worried, but I, I don't see them really attacking the running back position in the draft. And we haven't talked a ton about the available running backs, but there, there's some talented players, but it kind of drops off. And none of these guys are going to be like, serious first round picks. I don't think either. They're all kind of like second, third round picks or something like that. So I think that if we had to today, I, I think that you could feel a little bit more confident that Devin Singletary is going to be the lead back. I'd just be a little bit worried about Duke Johnson taking away uh, some of those opportunities in the passing game. I mean, the nice thing is that Devin Singletary, obviously he hasn't been an overly productive running back from a fantasy standpoint, but when he's gotten the workload, uh, he absolutely has. It's not like he made a ton of his money at the end of last season uh, in the receiving game was definitely more utilized. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, he was kind of on track with uh, what he's done. He's averaged uh, right around 50 targets per season. And to close out last year where he had four straight RB one performances, um, he, 
extrapolate his target share in that time. And it comes out to 58 targets. So it's not like he was really making his, his fantasy production from the receiving game. I'm, I'm all in on Devin Singletary as a value in 2021, 2022. Oh my gosh. What year is it? <laughs> it's April fools. So just <laughs> it up gotcha. Um, I am curious how you feel about the bills pass catchers, because obviously we know, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley is no longer with the Buffalo Bills, but they did sign Jamison Crowder, who we've seen over the last few years. Like when he stays healthy, he can be a serious contributing player. And then we saw the Gabe Davis breakout in the divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs, where he just went absolutely nuts. Like, is there any circumstance where you see the Buffalo Bills just saying, screw it? We're we're drafting one of these top wide receivers in a in a deep wide receiver class and we're just going all in and we're going to try to drop 50 points a game with Josh Allen. I mean, I, I don't think that would be a very smart decision. Uh, I think again, just going back to last season, we saw the bills build their success at the end of the season. Cause I think we could all agree that we were a little disappointed with the bills mid season felt like they were just kind of falling off a little bit. Didn't have that same edge, but the, the thing that got them back their edge, I think, was finding a balance towards the end of last season. And, I mean, that was definitely thanks in part to Devin Singletary having a, a solid outing. But um, in the last, like, final seven games of the regular season, it, you had Devin Singletary averaging 15 rush attempts per game. Um, and that, I think, kind of took off some of that pressure from Josh Allen and maybe allowed him to make some of these bigger throws Um, You mentioned the loss of Cole Beasley. I think that's huge, but um, you know, maybe, maybe you run Duke Johnson out of the slot a little bit. There's definitely a hole there, but is there a, uh, a role that I can see them drafting in the first round? I just don't think there's a need. I would rather see them invest in the offensive line personally. Yeah, they're, they're a little thin there, but their offensive line isn't like one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL or anything. And they could use another linebacker. So but they don't it, have like any, I would say like, you know, they could use another linebacker. They could use some help at offensive line. The beautiful thing about the bills is I think there's not really any super glaring need. And that I think is what makes the bills so dangerous at this point uh, in terms of their, their overall upside as a, NFL contender, but also their fantasy upside um, and what they could produce there. It's just a well-balanced team. Yeah. Even in a loaded AFC, I'm finding a hard time not picking the bills to actually be the best team in the NFL right now. Like I agree with you. There's just not very many holes there. I think the biggest thing they were missing was that star edge rusher. And I know Von Miller's old, older now, but He's still a really, really the good old player. Von Miller, the <laughs> yeah. old Von Miller. Yeah. Um, but I mean, speaking of like teams that uh, are, you know, competing in the AFC, we saw the Patriots make a little, little run towards the end there with rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. They're in the division here. And like, I don't know, they're in a position at the 21st overall pick to, maybe make a splash they could use a wide receiver what are what are we thinking here about the wide receiver position and the patriots uh sort of spot here at 21 so they definitely need a wide receiver and you know during free agency they were rumored to be really interested in Allen robinson i don't think they take a first round wide receiver here even though i think they absolutely should because we saw last season they just don't have consistent enough pass catchers for mac jones and if you want him to take another step in his development and you're truly trying to build this thing around him in new england you got to get him some playmakers and they just don't have a ton of those on the offensive side of the ball right now but bill belichick has done a really bad job drafting wide receivers over the years so i have to imagine that that makes them a little cautious and maybe i'm totally misreading this and maybe it doesn't make them cautious because he's bill belichick and he's just like whatever i can turn anybody i draft into a player but it seems like the wide receiver position is like the one blind spot he's always had in the nfl draft where it just doesn't work the same like brady always made those guys better but when they've taken swings on wide receivers early in the draft, like those guys have never really developed into much for the Patriots. 
Yeah. And I think there are some names out there that maybe, um, you know, not necessarily big names, but there are still some names out there in the free agent market that uh, could be considered maybe a difference maker. Like you've got uh, Jarvis Landry out there who I think, you know, you can say if he's washed, whatever, he's 29 years old. Um, but Jarvis Landry out there available wants 20 million a year. Don't know if he's going to get that, but like Jarvis Landry, I think is a guy that instantly comes in and, uh, provides your, uh, second year quarterback now a really solid, um, really solid option. And actually just, uh, going back to Jarvis Landry here would be a great fit for the bills and replacing Cole Beasley, but that's just besides the point. Um, I would rather see them, you know, make a play on one of these vets, uh, like maybe Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, you, you know, you've got some rehab time there. You've got to see how he comes back from the second torn ACL. But um, I would rather see them maybe make an investment in a veteran and keep building elsewhere. I think Jarvis Landry would be a- an intriguing option for the Patriots. Like he, he feels like he's got Bill Belichick wide receiver written all over him like they've got sign sign him and then you know what i don't know maybe pair him with another old guy like an aj green line him up on the outside and uh yes it's not a sexy wide receiver core but i mean that's i think a a big upgrade you know especially when uh you've still got hunter henry you've still got johnny smith in the mix yeah and you know johnny smith was hurt a lot last year so maybe we just haven't seen the, the best of what he can be as a New England Patriot. I have to imagine that he is supposed to have a bigger role in the offense than he wound up having last year. And, you know, Hunter Henry was effective, but Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, like that's just not getting it done at wide receiver for the New England Patriots. I know Mac Jones is kind of a, a more conservative style quarterback, but just give him somebody who can go up and make a play. Cause I don't, I don't feel like they have any of those dudes right now. So I, I would really like to see the Patriots get a wide receiver. I'm just not convinced that, that Bill Belichick looks at that. Like it's truly a need, especially after they dished out those contracts last off season. Yeah. I don't think they make uh, any move here uh, at 21 for that turns out to be like a fantasy relevant asset. I think we can kind of squash the Patriots off for now as one of these teams that's going to impact the fantasy landscape with their draft selections. And if Traylon Burks winds up sliding because of his NFL combine and and goes to the Patriots, that seems like it would be a perfect fit. I think from a fantasy standpoint, I'd be a little bit bummed if he wound up going to New England because I feel like it caps his upside a little bit. Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones is a, a, accurate quarterback we know he's capable of throwing downfield um i I think i mean i I don't think mac jones is necessarily uh a down uh, a downgrade for anybody on the receiving end as long as it's a receiver that can do their thing properly develop uh and i don't know maybe that's bill belichick's problem is they don't have a, a good way to sort of develop their young wide receivers or maybe they're picking the wrong ones i don't really know what their problem is but Either way, I think Mac Jones uh, under center, you couldn't ask for a better guy to help lift up, you know, some of these young wide receivers or maybe some of the old ones they'll bring in. Yeah, we'll see where the Patriots go. Um, Yeah, you just got to keep building around Mac and giving him opportunities to get better. So we'll see. We'll, We'll see where they decide to go in round one of the NFL draft. But moving on to the New York Jets. Uh, Capital. This was a team that was heavily in the mix for Tyreek Hill. Uh, They know that they need some more wide receivers and, you know, they have Corey Davis. They gave him a big contract last off season. They lost Jamison Crowder. They still have Denzel Mims, but it feels like they don't have any idea what to do with (laughs) Denzel Mims. Um, We just haven't really seen enough of him so far in his NFL career to you know, have an idea of whether or not he's going to actually be a key contributor at any point. And it seems like they're really interested in trying to get one of these top wide receivers and they've got the fourth pick and they've got the 10th pick. Now this is a team that still has a lot of holes. They don't have any good edge rushers. They need another linebacker. Uh, They need another offensive tackle possibly because Makai Becton, their, their young left tackle was injured a lot last season. And there's some worry about his health moving forward. So they might go 
offensive tackle here, but with two picks in the top 10, I feel like the jets are definitely coming away with a wide receiver here. Um, I think Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, like if you believe those guys are the best players on the board and, and they're available or Drake London, who a lot of people are projecting as the number one wide receiver now, like I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect that the Jets are not coming away on day one of the NFL draft without one of these top wide receivers on their team. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, I mean, I am surprised. I think we went this entire segment talking about the Jets so far. Uh, though it's been brief, we went this entire time without mentioning Elijah Moore. And shame on you, Stephen. Uh, and uh, our draft darling last year, uh, you know, fantastic, fantastic asset. Didn't see necessarily that ceiling that we hoped to see uh, in the the 2021 season. But former for second round pick, like we can see, we can see him making big time strides. Uh, played a lot on the outside. I think maybe if we saw him work out of the slot a little bit more, especially with the departure of Jamison Crowder, finding one of these guys that's maybe like a bigger bodied wide receiver can handle uh, things on the outside, like and complement Corey Davis in that way. Definitely, I would love to see Drake London here. And I think Drake London would be a huge upgrade um, in, in terms of just getting your young quarterback. Uh, a wide receiver that I think is pretty well-rounded, pretty relatively pro-ready uh, for um, among all these wide receivers. I think he's a guy that can contribute immediately and lift up your second-year quarterback. It is pretty egregious that I mentioned Denzel Mims before Elijah Moore. So, uh, like I multiple sentences. So I, I appreciate you calling me out on that. Uh, that that is just a terrible, terrible oversight on my part. I think they go wide receiver early, but I do think another interesting conversation too, because they've got two picks in the top 10. Um, and then in the second round, they've got the number 35 and number 38. So um, two of the top six picks in the second round are theirs. Could you picture them drafting a running back? They have Michael Carter uh, who did, I think uh, exceeded expectations in his first season out of UNC Uh but, you know, he still has some of those size concerns. I feel like that's been the biggest issue when people are evaluating Michael Carter is that they just don't think he's big enough to be like an RB1. Is there a circumstance where maybe with one of these early second rounders that they uh, address the running back position? Because if not, if you don't think that's a, in the realm of possibility, then Michael Carter is probably going to walk away as a huge winner in this draft. And we're probably going to see him uh, fly up dynasty rankings and all that. Cause I think that's really the only thing suppressing his value right now is the concern that maybe they address the running back position. Yeah. I, I do think it would be smart for them to do that. And not necessarily because, they don't have faith in Michael Carter and his ability to continue to develop and be a playmaker. And we saw flashes of it as a rookie. They were just such a bad team overall. I don't think he was in a good situation to really succeed, especially like offensively with Zach Wilson's struggles. But I think that would be smart. And you're talking about Robert Sala and his staff that, you know, came from that Shanahan coaching tree where they've had a lot of success with utilizing multiple running backs and we're talking about a modern day NFL where you look at some of these offenses across the league that are so stacked. Like, I don't think you can ever go wrong by just continuing to add offensive playmakers and, and just say, like, even if Zach Wilson doesn't wind up being a top 10 quarterback or something like that, he can still be a functional quarterback because we put enough around him to succeed. So, yeah, I, I think that they should consider another running back, even if you really like Michael Carter, just because we see more and more teams who just don't have workhorse running backs now. And I, I think it's a smart strategy at a position where, you know, the guys get hurt so often. And they brought in CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin to upgrade their tight end position. So I think you go wide receiver with one of your top 10 picks. And obviously they're going to go, a defender because Robert Sala wants to build up that defense. But with those second round picks, I think it would actually be a really good move for them to take one of these top running backs. Yeah. I, and I mean, even looking at the top prospect in this class, who I think is pretty unanimous, unanimously Brees Hall, 
Um, he's like, you know, a dynamic playmaker all around, had a killer combine, ran a four, three, nine official, uh, like this could be the range that we actually see him drafted in, which is I, like, it seems low, but I mean, even last year when, you know, uh, Najee Harris, we weren't sure he was going to be drafted in the first round. We weren't sure Etienne was going to be, um, I could easily see a guy like Brees Hall, even though he is a top prospect, fall into the early second round and the Jets snag him up. But if not, I mean, uh, like I said, Michael Carter, um, you know, didn't necessarily score a lot of fantasy points, but showed some of those flashes. And I think, um, you know, showed some of that that shiftiness and that, you know, uh, tackle force uh, tackle forcing ability that he showed at UNC. Um, and how that translates to the Jets offense. So that, that'll be a storyline to watch. Moving on to the Miami Dolphins. And in the AFC East, the Dolphins are the wild card here, right? With the way they've built this thing up offensively. Obviously, we're both really high on Jalen Waddle. He looks like he can be a superstar, in my opinion. And they add Tyreek Hill, who already is a superstar. And... All of this kind of hangs on Tua and they brought in Teron Armstead to try to shore up that offensive line. They could still use some depth along the offensive line, but the Dolphins, after all their trades and all the moves they've made, don't have a pick until the third round. Number 102 is their first pick in the draft. So you got to have a lot of faith in your front office uh, to add contributors in the draft this year for the Miami Dolphins. But their roster is already pretty good, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I don't know how much damage they can really do in the draft. Um, I think once you get to the third round, it's kind of just guys that fit the athletic profile we go after in the draft. Like just take swings on those guys and hope they can jump into your offense and contribute. Yeah, I think they're a pretty ready contender obviously um you know the, this is a team they're in a, a tough division i think in football right now which i think uh i don't think any of us would have suspected we'd say a year ago but i mean being in the mix among the patriots and the bills like this is this is a tough afc east tougher than we've seen it in a long time uh, but i think overall i i don't suspect the dolphins are going to draft any fantasy relevant assets or anybody that really moves the needle for fantasy, um, you know, in terms of offensive line or, or what have you, I think what you see is kind of what you're going to get. Yeah. They're out of all the teams in the upcoming NFL draft. And, you know, we kind of wait to project things because we want to see what, what needs they address in the draft uh, playmakers that they add and stuff like that. It kind of feels like this is the finished product for the Miami dolphins. <laughs> like do or die, just, baby. Yeah, you're not you're not going to count much uh, on their drafts this season, but they're obviously still a super intriguing team with a ton of offensive and fantasy upside. And they add Cedric Wilson to who I, I think is going to have an impact. They add Chase Edmonds. They add Raheem Mostert. Like I think all of those guys are going to be fantasy relevant players. So we'll see. Mike Jacecki on the franchise tag. They've also got another young tight end in Hunter Long who could wind up being a playmaker for them at some point. So Miami Dolphins are super intriguing, but that leads us to our first NFL Reacts poll of the day. No surprise here. Are the Miami Dolphins fans confident in their team right now? 95% say yes. I feel like that's the highest poll that we've ever gotten on NFL Reacts, where 95% of the Dolphins fan base is like, yeah, we're good. We love Tua. We love everything Mike McDaniel has done this offseason. We're going to go win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think this, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with it. Like I, I think you have all the right personnel. It's, it's definitely going to come down to the execution. Uh, Tua is a competitive quarterback. We saw that in Alabama. It's just a matter of, uh, does that translate post injury to the NFL? And I think, I mean, you've definitely put all of the weapons there that I think you can. And I, you know, if you don't, uh, we'll we'll see what happens next year because they have enough draft draft capital to move on and make make new moves. But if I were a Dolphins fan, I'd be feeling pretty good. I think so. I NFL reacts community, you're on this, and I I think you've got many reasons to be thrilled with what's going on. And I didn't even mention Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, who are still a part of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, 
They brought Preston Williams back, so I assume he's going to be a Dolphin. Maybe Devontae Parker gets moved. That could be a guy that the Patriots take a serious look at, though I don't know if they'll trade in the division. But they probably got to get Devontae Parker off the books, I would imagine. But let's take a quick time out here, and when we get back, we are going to go through every team in the NFC East. That's coming up next on NFL Reacts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Kate Majuk of DK Nation. We begin the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you know, if you follow our good friend here at SB Nation, RJ Ochoa, you probably think the Cowboys are going through like a huge rebuild and they've just totally dumped the <laughs> roster, but there's still some talent on this team. I, I don't think the Cowboys fans have been exactly thrilled with their offseason. Been a lot of cost-cutting moves, obviously. Um, you know, moving on from Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson going to Miami. But they did lock up Michael Gallup on an extension. They tagged Dalton Schultz. They still have Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, C.D. Lamb, and Dak Prescott. So the makeup is still there for this team to be very good offensively next season. They've got to add an edge rusher in the NFL draft after they lost Randy Gregory, but obviously Micah Parsons is incredible. And we assume that he's only going to continue to get better and he was phenomenal as a rookie. So maybe they aren't as desperate at edge. They probably need another linebacker and they could use another wide receiver. Cause those guys that we just mentioned who moved on to different teams, I I tend to think that Dallas might play it safe and try to add more to the defensive side of the ball in the first round, but in a deep wide receiver draft class, and we kind of saw them do this a couple of years ago with CD lamb, where they already had a really good group of pass catchers in place in Dallas, but CD lamb kind of fell a little bit in the draft and he was just the best player on the board. And Jerry couldn't help himself and said, all right, we're taking CD. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens this year with Dallas too. Yeah, I and there are so many really good wide receivers too uh, that that are like right up in that upper tier. I could absolutely see him falling for the shiny new toy. I feel like he just it, he sees that that little glimmer and that that flash. And I I don't think he uh, is is very um, disciplined. Uh, maybe maybe that's not the right word, but uh, you know, shiny toy. Ooh, I want to play. Uh, and there are lots of shiny wide receivers here. So, uh, you know, in terms of looking at what their offense is going to look like, um, you know, they they do. I hate to say this, like they do have a need to draft wide receiver because, um, you know, Michael Gallup, obviously you've locked him up in the extension. But Dalton Schultz, uh, he was a huge part of the receiving game. You've got him locked under the franchise tag for this season. But um you know, you have to wonder if if Dalton Schultz uh, departs in the the next season is essentially uh, C.D. Lamb, basically. Like, and I, I'm Michael Gallup, but I just don't think it's necessarily enough. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from the Cowboys. I think they should go defense, but I feel like they are going to get caught up in the the excitement uh they had Traylon Burks in they're having him in for a, a top 30 visit and uh, Traylon Burks is a guy that I could see falling to them at 24 it just I could see that I feel like more team than any in the NFL the Dallas Cowboys are like you know when we're watching the NFL draft and, and certain guys start to slide as they always do and we're like how is this guy still available what's going on like Jerry swoops in and he's always like, I'll take him. I got him. Yeah. Like I, 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 that is my guy. That's cool. Like, I feel like that's kind of their draft strategy sometimes. So they are a hard team to kind of pick. And now the NFC East isn't exactly loaded. So you know, they could still easily win the division. I think with the makeup of the roster that they have right now, because of the young talent that they have, but I would just like to see, 
another playmaker. You know, it's I'm a fantasy guy. I, I want to see explosive offenses, and Dak Prescott is a really good quarterback, and they can be a really explosive offense. I'm just a little worried that that offensive line that has been one of the better ones in the NFL for so long is starting to expire a little bit. And, and those guys are kind of aging out. And, and, you know, we've seen Tyron Smith who is still spectacular when he's on the football field, but he's had so many injury problems over the last couple of years. I think that they might be best suited to go offensive line. If, if there's a guy there that they really like over actually adding a pass catcher that they could maybe get in the second or third round. Yeah, I, I definitely think that would I, I would prefer to see them go offensive line. But if I had to pin like right now, gut reaction, who they draft, I would go with Traylon Burks right now. Um, just big hands, big body. Uh, definitely a guy that I think are he's just his overall frame um, gives him that sort of toughness. Like you have CeeDee Lamb who can win more, I think, with, you know, his finesse and and that skill set, but Traylon Burks, I think could just be a, a really, um, a really nice asset to have to get some of those jump balls and get some of that, um, just toughness in, in, you know, providing him as an asset to Dak. If I had to bet a hundred dollars right now on who they walk out with at 24, it's Traylon Burks. It's interesting. I love Traylon Burks. There's just, there's 10 and he's going to fall there. He's probably yeah. going to fall there after. I mean, like, I, I don't think we're counting in uh, or, or considering his size enough when we're talking about his combine performance or in a four, five, five. Um, he's six to 225 pounds. He's absolutely massive. He was productive in college. I don't think uh, the lack of speed has, was, uh, you know, a deterrent to his performance on the field, had a low vertical, had a low, or a, a relatively short broad jump like didn't explode off the page but none of this lack of explosiveness that we saw in the combine is stuff that I saw as an issue in Arkansas and what I've watched in Traylon Burke so I uh, Jerry I think he's going to to see the value in Traylon Burks at 24 and we're at, write it into stone I'm, I'm ready to call my bold take now it's I would love that too for Dak Prescott and they do have to come away with a wide receiver at some point in the draft, right? Because they are a little thin there now. And I love Michael Gallup. I think all the talent is there for him to be a, a star wide receiver, but he's had serious injury problems. He's coming off another major injury and Dallas extended him. So maybe they've got faith that he can finally stay healthy and, and be that, uh, you know, one, a one B wide receiver for them, but they still need depth there. So like adding Traylon Burks would be really interesting for the Dallas Cowboys. It might hurt the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, we'll see. The Eagles have a bunch of first-round picks. They're at 15, 16, and 19. Uh, they, they've got some holes on the roster, but they haven't had a ton of turnover. Uh, they were able to rework Fletcher Cox and, and keep him. Uh, they add Hassan Reddick on defense. So they're trying to build up that defense, that defensive side of the ball but they really, really need a wide receiver. Like out of any team in the first round of the NFL draft, I feel like with those three first round picks, we can guarantee the Eagles are going to take a wide receiver with one of those picks. Cause Jalen Rieger just has not worked out. Quez Watkins showed some flashes. He's a big play wide receiver, but not consistent enough for them. And Devonte Smith, I think we saw enough from him as a rookie. Like he can be a really, really good player, but he still has some developing to do. Jalen Hurts still has some developing to do as a passer, and they need somebody else who is a threat besides Devontae Smith because it just doesn't seem like they have that in their wide receiver group. Yeah, and I mean, you're looking at you know another team who I think is trying to put all the right assets around their young quarterback and and try to build around him. They've got uh, you know some some good pass blocking skills, some good run blocking skills, and then. Uh, you know, so you're buying your young quarterback time, but you know, the, the weapons he's actually throwing to are a bit lackluster. Now we have Dallas Goddard, who I think is, is a bit underrated in terms of his uh, receiving ability. Obviously you've got Devonta Smith. I mean, does, 
I, again, I, I kind of look back at the Eagles and I wonder, are these one of, are, are they one of these teams that maybe could benefit from more of an experienced veteran wide receiver? Like I, I think I look at Cole Beasley and I think, you know, they could really use Cole Beasley out of the slot, a veteran wide receiver who, um, this, this ain't his first rodeo, um, they could definitely use him just overall from a, a, a slot position, but um, he's a, a guy that I think helps you move the chains, uh, get, get him in there, get, uh, or if you want to maybe go a little bit younger, a Jarvis Landry, um, I would rather see them chase uh, one of these veterans, but I mean, I, I feel like in this draft class where you do have a lot of talent at wide receiver in a similar tier, I get like, that just feels like a smart range to, to dip into that. So I, with the draft capital they have, I guess you can't go wrong there. You know, and if Drake London winds up being the first wide receiver off the board, like a lot of people are projecting him right now, if I think if Garrett Wilson's there, if Chris Olave is there, if Jamison Williams is there, I think those are all guys that I would be happy to see go to that Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver core. I am curious, and I don't, I don't think they would do this in the first round, but how do we feel about their running back situation in Philly? Because they re-signed Boston Scott. They've got Miles Sanders, who has shown flashes, had some injury problems, and, and last year we saw they they when he came back from injury, they kind of tried to lean on him as their workhorse back, and he was kind of effective, but he's left a lot to be desired so far in his NFL career. So maybe they're not 100% sold on Miles Sanders as their lead back, and that could be a position they go after uh, once we get past the first round. I mean, we saw them invest in uh, Kenny Gainwell last year, fifth-round pick. Uh, I don't think you know we, we necessarily saw his ceiling quite yet. Um, he contributed in the receiving game. He was able to produce touchdowns. So I think, you know, I again, I think any of these picks right here uh, in their first round range, like I, I think that would feel a little early to take a running back. So maybe they they trade back uh, with one of these picks and uh, take a, a running back maybe early second round if one of these teams is interested in trading up. But I think if they don't address the the running back position, there's still some upside there to be had. I think if you can figure out the right balance between Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders and, and Boston Scott. Yeah. I, I still like Miles Sanders. Like I want Miles Sanders to be really good. It's he's just, he he's like, he's one of those running backs that just always seems to have a bad ankle or something like that. Like, like one of those <laughs> injuries and I really want him to be good because he's shown those signs of explosiveness, but that could be something that they look at in, in the upcoming draft. We'll see, but I, I feel like we can absolutely guarantee they are going to take a wide receiver with one of those picks in the first round, or maybe they wind up trading back a little bit and adding some more picks to grab another wide receiver. Cause that, that number 19 pick looks like it is, it is primed and ready for uh, somebody to try to move up and the Eagles move back later into the first round. The Washington Commanders, obviously, they trade for quarterback Carson Wentz from the Indianapolis Colts, and they lost right guard uh, Brandon Scherf, who is is a pretty big loss. He he'd been a very very good offensive lineman for them over the last several years. This was an offense coming back coming into last season that I was intrigued by with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback, obviously. He gets hurt, winds up missing the entire season. Taylor Heineke is the guy, but you know they have Terry McLaurin, who I think if you got somebody who can just get him the ball is a legitimate wide receiver one superstar caliber player. He's just had such bad people uh, throwing him the football so far in his career. We haven't really seen it manifest exactly as a true wide receiver one in fantasy football. They have Antonio Gibson, who's got a ton of upside. He was banged up last year, but he did kind of come on later in the year once he got healthy. They brought back J.D. McKissick, so maybe that hurts Antonio Gibson's passing game upside. And they basically got nothing out of Curtis Samuel last year because of injuries, but he's a guy we saw his last year in Carolina when he's kind of utilized as this uh, – multiple threat style player like in the running game as a pass catcher like he can be an effective offensive weapon I I'm curious like what does Washington need to do in this upcoming draft 
to make things as easy as possible for Carson Wentz. Cause we've seen like when it's not great around Carson Wentz, he does the miraculous turnovers and the fumbles and interceptions and all of that stuff. So everything, if you believe in Carson Wentz as a quarterback for the Washington commanders, like it's gotta be about what's the best thing we can do for Carson to try to see if he can get us over the hump. I mean, I think that's like the key there is going to be getting him a a playmaker. Uh, I think you've got the right tools at running back. I I think they've got to go wide receiver here. And uh, depending on um, how things shake out in terms of the draft, uh, how early Drake London goes, I I think this would be a really good spot for maybe a Chris Olave or um, a, a Garrett Wilson. I, I think this would be sort of the range that I project them to go anyway. Um, and I think the commanders definitely have the need, you know, I guess I don't understand the end game with Carson Wentz and that the end game with Carson Wentz is sort of uh, what you have to consider in terms of making your decisions right now. And I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't think the commanders are going to make any big uh, fantasy splashes in, in at this point. I, I just don't. Yeah. It feels like at 11, it, it feels like a, a cornerback and there's going to be some talented guys there or an offensive lineman or something like that. Um, I don't know. They've got enough holes on their roster right now. Like, I don't know what they could do to be a truly competitive football team because going into last year too, we thought that, defense was going to be a lot better than it wound up being. I know Chase Young got hurt and the pass rush didn't wind up being as good as we thought it was going to be. Their secondary took a step back last season and it's going to be worse next season because they've lost key players there. So I just don't know if it's going to get much better next year for the Washington commanders, but I just want to see them build around Terry McLaurin. Not, I guess not necessarily Carson Wentz. I want Terry to have a chance to succeed because he's so, so good. And and I want to see him be a true wide receiver. One Antonio Gibson. I'd like to see him stay healthy and be like an every down back. Cause I think he's capable of doing that. So I just want them to do whatever is going to help all of those guys succeed really more so than Carson Wentz. I think. Yeah. Same. I, I don't want to make the investment in Carson Wentz. And I, <laughs> I, I think the goal should be to look long-term here. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. The next and final team, the New York Giants, uh, first round picks, two top 10 picks or two top seven picks, number five and number seven. Uh, Obviously, the New York Giants, it seems like for the last like five or six years have always needed offensive line help despite dumping draft picks into the offensive line. So that's a huge need for them at five and seven. Uh, They need a pass rusher. Their pass rushers are some of the worst in the NFL. So they definitely need help there. But with new head coach, Brian Dable and what we've seen from him with Buffalo and the way they loaded up on pass catchers and wanted to throw, 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 and just his offensive mind, like, now, they went all in on that offense last year, drafting Kadarius Tony, signing Kenny Galladay. Um, they lost Evan Ingram in free agency, but then you were hoping to get a healthy Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones could finally like take that next leap. And it all just kind of fell apart. And they had a lot of injuries last season. So that, that was part of it. But they were also just a horribly coached team. Like Joe Judge just had no business being a, an NFL head coach. But is there like a shocker here with their two picks in the top seven where they where Brian Dable just says, screw it. I, I'm taking another wide receiver. I'm taking another high end offensive player because we're going to see if Daniel Jones can do this and he's not going to have any excuses this year. I don't really see it. Uh, I'd rather, again, see them invest in the offensive line. Bottom three pass blocking grade this year, ranked 22nd overall in run blocking grade per PFF. Um, I think that would be the best move overall because you have Brian Dable come back and say uh, he's going to reevaluate sort of the, the use of some of these key players that maybe they're not getting quite as much out of as they expected or wanted to. Um, I, I think with five and seven make moves on the offensive line, I think you have the right pieces on offense. I think the key is more uh, putting them in a position to succeed uh, with a solid offensive line, uh, you know, protecting Daniel Jones, 
giving him time to throw back there and actually progress through reads. And I think that's probably the better way to approach this, uh, even in terms of like getting a Saquon Barkley started, uh, you know, have some, some solid run blocking for him. I, I just think they have pieces. They just need to figure out how to put them together. And I don't think the draft is going to help with that necessarily. So where are we at on Saquon Barkley? Like, cause he was still being drafted as like a fringe first round pick last year, hoping that, you know, what we saw from him as a rookie and the flashes that we've seen from him when he hasn't been injured is that like this dude is a workhorse running back is Assuming they go offensive line, especially, you know, with one of those first picks. Are you still looking at Saquon Barkley like he's a guy you would draft like late round one? Or are we totally off that train? And like now he is just a a second, third round pick that you're hoping winds up being an RB1. I mean, I I think second, third round kind of feels about right. Uh, Like at this point, um you know, just with the injury concerns, with the the durability concerns, especially with the the way he's utilized so heavily, uh, I think you have to build that into his, uh, bake it into his ADP a little bit. Uh, but I think in the second, third round, could he be a tremendous value if he stays healthy? Absolutely. Um, I'm not out on Saquon Barkley. The price needs to be right. And I think probably end of the second round, early third round is where that lies for me. But I mean, I, I think... I think you've got to, uh, I guess, just lightly tap on the brakes with Saquon Barkley. Not not full stop, just a light tap on the brakes. Yeah, I, I don't think that, you know, if they do go offensive line and we think that their offensive line after what feels like a decade is finally good in New York, I, I don't think that that'll be something that people look at and be like, okay, now Saquon Barkley's going to shoot up my draft board. Um but I do want to see him succeed. I, I want to see him be that RB1 because I feel like we just haven't seen him, his full potential so far in the NFL. And maybe Brian Dable will unlock that. Maybe we'll be living in some weird, like bizarro world next year where Brian Dable does to Daniel Jones what he did to Josh Allen and, and just like transforms him into this monster fantasy quarterback. Think big. Dream yeah. big. You know, is that likely? Probably not. But it's okay to dream. It's okay to hope that Brian Dable can just do that with any quarterback that that shows up. I understand Daniel Jones doesn't have the arm Josh Allen does, but his rushing upside and and stuff like that. Like I think Daniel Jones has a chance at possibly being a a fantasy viable quarterback in certain circumstances next season. So we'll see. (laughs) What I love about you is the eternal optimism. Like, yeah, I never let that dull. I just want to see people succeed. I, I I just want to see them succeed on the football field. I want to see them thrive. I want to see guys that are incredible at playing football, make big plays and, and find success. So that's all we want for the New York Giants. <laughs> Not that I'm a Giants fan or anything, but I, I'm just hoping for these offensive weapons. But thank you guys for listening to NFL Reacts each and every week. That was the AFC East and NFC East. We're going to be breaking down two divisions per episode over the next couple of weeks, leading right up to the NFL draft and discussing fantasy implication, team needs, all of that stuff. So make sure you guys stay tuned right here. Make sure you stay tuned to the SB Nation NFL show. Got plenty of draft content for you every single day of the week. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple and Spotify. You can follow Kate on Twitter at FFBallBlast. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We'll talk to you guys next week.